today, I've entitled my preach this morning, You Feed Them. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, God, I pray that we would hear your voice clearly. God, you've promised us that, Lord, you're the Alpha and the Omega, and you start and you finish, God. And so today I pray that you would do more finishing. Lord God, that we would allow you to do the finishing on our lives, the work that is required to be more like you. God, we know that your word is life. It breathes life. It gives life. So God, today I pray that that's what it does. Lord God, that we would walk out closer to you and more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. We're, uh, we're going to be going through John today, my friends. So if you've got a Bible, open up to John chapter 2. And I want to start with a joke. Um, the, uh, the story goes like this. So uh, it was about a pastor. Um, and uh, he was driving. And uh, a cop pulled him over. And uh, the police officer's like, have you been drinking, sir? Just water. And uh, a couple's like, oh, okay, no worries. Yep, just breathe in here. Yeah, you know how you almost run out of breath? I never take a big enough breath to blow that thing. And you're like, yeah, you're like hoping you're going to make it. I reckon they le- they've already got the reading. They just love to see you. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're a cop, you've got to do something to amuse yourself. Because honestly, what they put up with is pretty bad most of the time. So, you know, it's the small, it's the small moments that get people. Anyways, that's not the joke. Uh, the, uh, the officer goes, oh, so you, you've, got a, you've got a reading. And the pastor looks at him, oh, dear. Jesus, you've done it again. <laughs> this leads me to my first passage of Scripture this morning. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. It's the story of the wedding at Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine. Let's read this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration. So let me just set that scene just quickly. The next day, literally the previous day, Jesus had just started inviting the first disciples to come and join him on the journey of Jesus' next three years of ministry. So he doesn't even have the whole gang together yet. And this takes place the very next day. He's been next to the Sea of Galilee, and he's called a couple of the boys, and they're following him, and they get invited to go to a wedding. And it was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Gotta love it when mum doesn't back down. I love that. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. 
Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Ever wonder why Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine at a wedding? I have. Because <laughs> it's so weird. It's so like, wow, why? Like it's a wedding, it's a feast, it's a party. They've been drinking all the wine and now there's none left. It's either poor planning or they just were drinking a lot of wine. And Jesus is present and his mother sees a physical need, just a, just a normal need, an issue that, you know, the, I mean, the worst thing was maybe a little bit of embarrassment for the, for the wedding party. I don't know, whatever it was. But why was his first miracle not raising someone from the dead? I mean, in my opinion, that would have made a bold statement. Well, who, who is this guy? You know, or, or, or a lame man walking, blind person seeing deaf hearing leprosy going, whatever the issue, whatever other thing. I mean, why was this his first miracle? Well, there's actually a lot in this. There's a whole lot of stuff. I love this story. You know, what's going to be the first thing in heaven that you and I encounter? A wedding feast. I like that. I like that we've been invited to the bridegroom's wedding feast. And there's a lot about that. You know, we have to be ready. We've got to be wearing the right clothes. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on around in all of the New Testament scriptures about the wedding feast that you and I are invited to. And by the way, the whole world is invited to heaven. The whole world is invited to the wedding feast. John 3, 16 to 17. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge them but that through him they might be saved. You're invited too. All of us. We're all invited. He's invited us. He's invited me. He's invited you. So, why water into wine? Why a wedding feast? Well, I believe there's a, there's a lot of parallels to draw out of this. A lot of great teaching, a lot of great encouragement that you and I can receive this morning but also around our Expo Sunday today, our Sign Up to Serve Sunday that we're going to be building towards at the end of this preach. There's a lot that's going on in this, and you and I get to be a part of it. First of all, uh, it says he used six stone water jars, which were for Jewish ceremonial washing. I've got a picture of these. Check this out. It's uh, an example of a uh, massive stone jar used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Now, Scripture tells us that there were 20 to 30 gallons of capacity. So uh, I did the math for you. Don't worry about doing it yourself. 600, check this out, 681 liters that the six of them would have been able to hold. That's a lot of wine, my friends. That's a lot of wine. You think about that, 681 liters. And the master of ceremonies was like, oh, this is good stuff. This, wh- why did you leave the best till last? Now, Jesus obviously can only do the best. He can only make the best. I love that, that he's just like, oh, yes. you know, fill the water. Right, now dip in it. Okay, now go give it to the master of ceremonies. And the guy takes, he's like, 
it was this stuff at the start of the wedding. This is unbelievable. You know, this gives us a picture. If these were jars that were used for Jewish ceremonial washing, what washes us? His blood. The blood of Jesus washes us. And there's a lot of it. There's more than enough for the whole world. And I love that this is a picture as all Scripture shows us this picture of marriage between the bride, His church, and the bridegroom, Jesus. And there's a wedding feast that we are invited to, and it is His blood that washes us whiter than snow. It's how we get our robes, and it's how we keep them clean. The wine represents the blood of Jesus. He instituted this in the Lord's Supper. He took the bread, and He took the cup, the fruit of the vine, the wine, and he said, hey, this represents my blood. And then he said, by the way, I'm not going to drink wine again until that day. He's looking forward to to his wedding day. It's going to be a good day in all of eternity. So, it's a ceremonial washing jars. He's turned the water into wine, and it's his wine that represents his blood. But canna, why Canna. This is another important part of our passage this morning. Canna is miles away from all the action. Check this out. This is Canna way up there. You can see Nazareth just here. Sorry, team. Oops. I'll leave it. Jeremy, you can fix that bad boy later. Anyway, Sea of Galilee. Lot went on, Sea of Galilee, this is the Dead Sea way down here, and Jerusalem, just down there. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That was a statement that so many people made, and Nazareth is pretty much in the middle of nowhere too. I mean, it, you know, you go west of the, uh, the Dead Sea out to the, uh, sorry, Sea of Galilee out to the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, about halfway you hit Nazareth, same thing, about halfway you, you hit Cana. It's just a tiny little village, out, away, nobody thinks about it, nobody cares about it. You know, this wedding wasn't being held in Clayfield, in Hamilton, at New Farm Park. It wasn't being held in the town hall in Brisbane CBD, way out in Morayfield. <laughs> Jesus attended a wedding and performed his first miracle. I love what this says to us. They didn't care about where all the action was going on, where the big wigs were trying to be seen. Jesus was more interested in going to the ends of the earth and finding anyone that would be willing to join him and to come and follow him. Hannah. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 5, verse 41. He goes, I don't care about your approval. He didn't need the approval of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came for those that knew they were sinners and needed a saviour. You know, take note of the next thing in the story of the wedding at Cana. Notice that Jesus did nothing to perform this miracle but told his servants to do the work. The mother of Jesus said, servants, listen and do whatever he tells you. 
So Jesus said, fill the stone jars with water. They fill it. And then he says, now dip into it and take it to the master of ceremonies. On the way, it turned from water into wine. On the way, it turned from water into wine. When you and I do what we've been asked to do, there just might be a miracle in motion, a miracle in the making. Sometimes, even before we're going to see the miracle, we've got to act out our faith and put into action what God has asked us to do so that He can do what only He can do. You feed them. You feed them. A couple of chapters later in John chapter 6, we read of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You know, this is a very important miracle. It's a very important moment because all four Gospels tell the story. You know, other than the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's the only miracle that is written of in all four Gospels. That tells me it's important. That tells me there's something in there that Jesus wants to make known to you and I for, for all time. The disciples wanted Jesus to send the people away. No, we want the people to come, don't we? Why send them away? I hope I never have to stand at the door. Sorry. Yeah, full cut picture. Sorry. Uh, come back. Trust me, we'll fit them. We'll sit on the floor if we have to, to make room. We'll put all the spare chairs out. And uh, praise God, we're getting some, some more chairs soon. And, uh, but we, we'd make it work, wouldn't we, church? Like, like if, if too many people showed up to church one Sunday morning, we'd fit them in. We'd find a way or we'd say, hey, why don't you hang out in the, in the cafe team and you guys can watch on the TV out there and we'll, we'll get young people or, or whoever is young at heart or whoever just loves sitting on the floor, not I, uh, to sit on the floor and uh, we'll, we'll fit them in or we'll just run a second service. Hey guys, yeah, no worries, church starts now, also starts in an hour and a half, uh, just have some coffee, uh, wait around, spend some time praying, we'll get you in. We would make a way. But the boys were like, hey, Jesus, uh, uh, the people are probably hungry, you should probably send them away. All four stories, all four gospels talk about the disciples wanting the people to go, but Jesus makes a statement back to them, says, you feed them, you feed them. And I love what happens. They bring Jesus some bread and some fish. And then they distribute it. And after every single person is full. It says 5,000 men, not to mention all the women and children. It's probably a lot of people. You know, make up a number. We don't really know. They had a whole lot more kids than we do these days. So it's probably a lot of people uh, sitting there listening to Jesus. And uh, all of them were fed. They're all full. And the leftovers, it says that the disciples picked up was 12 basketfuls, one each. I love that. I love that. But Jesus, again, he didn't do any of the work for the miracle to take place. The disciples did it all. Jesus said, well, what do we have? What do you have? What can you bring? So they said, well, we've, uh, we've managed to find some fish and some bread. And uh, we don't know if the boy offered it up willingly or whatever, it doesn't matter. They had some bread and some fish. And uh, it wasn't even enough to feed them. So, I mean, they might have had a little snack 
uh, but it wasn't even enough for them. They ended up with, remember, a whole basketful each left over. Way better when God gets involved in our story. Way better when we let God do what only God can do and we get on board with it. It's not getting out of the way. It's being a part of it, my friends. They bring him the bread and the fish and Jesus prays for it and then they go out and distribute it. I would have loved to have been one of the guys just like, this is weird. <laughs> that would have been so cool. You think about that. You're like distributing the bread and the fish and it just keeps coming. It's amazing. It's incredible. And I love that, that it wasn't even, Jesus is like, let's not waste anything. And there was the perfect amount because he knew who was there. He knew how many people were there and he knew how much they would want to eat. Think about how detailed our Creator is, how much He knows about what's going on, and He's got a very big plan, and it's an awesome plan, and we can all be a part of it. God is able to take ordinary and perform the extraordinary. Amen? An inanimate object, a perishable piece of food. Come on, it doesn't matter what you have or don't have. doesn't matter how much or how little you have. God can take whatever we have and see a miracle take place. Let me explain this. Water into wine, the servants carried the materials. Jesus performed the miracles. Feeding of the 5,000, the disciples carried the food. Jesus performed the miracle. Jesus has asked for laborers for his harvest. You might think what you do is unimportant. I want to tell you today that you might be more a part of the miracles that take place in the house of God than you think so. Let me illustrate it like this. You're out there and you're frothing milk at the end of service. And someone picks up that made coffee and hands it to someone at the end of service. Who knows that if that's going to be the very thing that causes that person to feel noticed, feel loved and appreciated and say, you know what, I'm going to decide to stay in the house of God. Maybe they've had the worst week and you remember their coffee order you make it for them, and you give it to them. And a miracle takes place because you've been a part of God working in the house, putting out those chairs. You know, you might think it's just an inanimate object. It's just a, it's just a chair. Oh, man, I, I just set the chairs up. Come on, you put the chairs out where people encounter God every single Sunday at church, and miracles take place. doesn't matter what we do. If we're a part of it, and we're a part of serving in the house of God, we are a part of every miracle that takes place, and we get to see it happen. It's so, so awesome. Come on, God can take what you and I carry. We might just be carrying something that we don't even think is important. God is able to take that and do a miracle with it, because that's the God that we serve. Jack, can you come up? I want to illustrate this point further like this. The Bible tells us in Romans and 1 Corinthians that the body works well when the body works together. Jack, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink of water? 
timed that really well. I actually did need one. Thank you so much. You put that back down. Now, um, I really like feet. Uh, I've got great feet. Because beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And uh, you know the story. My proposal, I was trying to work out how to bend the knee and extend the foot. Anyways, besides the point of my feet, imagine if Jack had four feet. Because he's like, you know what, Pastor Joe likes feet. I like feet too. And uh, so, no, 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 no. Four feet. All fours, buddy. Let's go. No, just fours, feet and hands. Feet and hands, no knees. Don't cheat. Up. Get that butt up. Come on. No, 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 just your feet. <laughs> feet only, hands only, knees up. Like we practiced. You remember? No, 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 no. Just your feet and your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, there we go. Look at this guy. Four feet boy. Uh, yep. All right, now, yep, let's go. Thank you so much. Now, I don't know if I want to drink from someone who's passed me water with their feet. Yeah, you can take that back now. No, no, on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. All right, now, what if, what if Jack's like, you know what, feet are disgusting. Why do we even need feet? Bring me, bring me a cup of water, Jack, with no feet. No feet. By the way, no hands. <laughs> Don't let those feet touch. <laughs> it's not very efficient, is it? <laughs> Who needs eyes? Who needs eyes? I should have made you spin around. That was too easy. <laughs> Dean, sorry. We, there's no water on your board, promise. I don't want to spill it on Dean's pedal board. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Let's give Jack a round of applause. You know, we are insignificant on our own. But together as the body of Christ, we're incredible. What the church can achieve is awesome. One person, great, we, we can do something. But together, we can do a lot. Together, we are able to see something shift in our community. Each of us, the Bible says, has a special function. And we belong to each other. And we're to serve each other well. The body works well when the body works together. Remember, we are His body. And He has saved us. He created us. He made us. He came back for us and He's waiting for us. He loves us. It's a privilege to serve in His house. It's a privilege to be a part of the body. And we must serve in His house. There is one day in His courts and a thousand elsewhere, King David said. Why, why is all this so important? John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said this, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is His house, my friends. And we are His people. And our love for one another will prove to the world 
that we are his disciples. I want this place to overflow. What we experience is we get to know each other as we spend time, as we learn to know what's been going on in each other's weeks, when we catch up not just on Sunday but other times throughout the week, when we open up our homes to each other, when we share of what God has blessed us with with each other, when we know what is going on in the person's life who is sitting right beside us, in front of us or behind us, when we're praying for them, when we're championing them, when we ask the question, hey, how was your week? And then when they ask you, tell them the truth. Let them know what's going on. Share the testimony or share the prayer report. Share what you need prayer for in your week so that you've got someone else in your family fighting alongside of you. We are the bride. He is the groom. You know, the house of God is a statement to the non-believer out there that was still alive, that Jesus is alive, He's active, He's here today, and He's still going to be here tomorrow. It's why this place is so, so important, so that the world knows that Jesus, the God of the Christian, is still here. He still loves the people, and our love for one, in, one another in this house, I want to pray that it overflows this afternoon, tomorrow, every day of the week, Let Sunday be the day where we gather together and we rally, we champion each other. We share the testimonies of what's been going on in our workplaces, at home, in our neighborhood. We get encouraged, we encourage, and we go back out and we do it all again. Let this place be a place, like a platform, something that we're able to come around His presence, that it produces in us what what is needed to be produced so that we're able to go out there and see Him perform miracles that we get to be a part of. You know, if you've, uh, if you've just become a believer, I want to encourage you that serving is the greatest way to experience the presence of God. Or if you've been a believer for a long time, there is more. There is more. God's not done with you. God has more for you to do, more for you to be a part of. Can I get the band to join me, please? Now, maybe you've been a believer for a long time or a short time. Maybe, maybe you've started to wander away. Maybe, maybe the, the battlefield of the mind, the, the enemy's starting to stir you up. Or maybe you're starting to question God. Maybe you're starting to, to think of doubts. Maybe, what if it's not real? Can it, can it really be real? You've got God encouraging you. Yes, it's real. I'm real. I love you. I love you. See me. Remember this. Remember that. And you've got the enemy going, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? Like, how could all this be happening? And why, would, why hasn't he answered your prayer? And why hasn't he answered that person's prayer? And we've got this battlefield going on in the mind. I want to encourage you. Hold on. Because if you're still believing for something, then the best is yet to come. There's a miracle in the making. You know, even if, Jesus said, even if all you can do with what God has given you is to to invest it into the bank, to take a portion of what you earn during the week and put it into the house of God, Jesus said, at least you could do that so that I could earn some interest on what I've given you. But I want to encourage you that if 
if that's what you're able to do at the moment, if that's all you can do is come to church and sit in a chair, I want to encourage you that you are doing something awesome. Don't be put off by that. I'm not sure if I can serve. I don't, I don't know where, I don't know what my gifting is yet. Can I tell you, there is a part for you to play because you've got a special part to play. But if at the moment that's all that you can do, then that's a good thing because you're filling a chair, you're adding to the room, you're helping people to think, wow, the church of God is growing and people are coming and they're still coming and they're still showing up and they still want Jesus. It's a good thing. You're a part of what takes place. Every person present here this morning, every time someone gets saved, every time someone receives a healing, every time a miracle takes place, you have played a part in God performing that miracle. When you fill a chair, it builds a house. Maybe you've grown stagnant in your relationship with God though. Or maybe you've been serving, but you know there is more. Well, I want to encourage you today to decide, you know what? I'm going to serve, but I'm going to step up. I'm going to start something. I'm going to lead something. I'm going to, I'm going to do something new. Or maybe you've been serving in an area and you're like, you know, I've got more to give. I feel like there's something more in me. I want to encourage you to keep serving in that area and start serving in another area. Come on, you might be filled with compassion for a particular demographic or, or to do something for someone. I want to encourage you today to recognize that you might just be filling up that jar with water and you might just be dipping in a cup. You might just be bringing some bread and some fish. But can I tell you that even whatever, with little or with much or no matter what it is, what we have, what we do, when we're a part of seeing something happen in the house of God, we're a part of seeing miracles take place. Now, maybe you've been busy looking after your house. I don't have time to serve in God's house. Can I encourage you to reorder things? Place God's house as number one. Because He promises us in Scripture time and time again that when we honor Him, when we place His house first, He will take care of the rest. My friend, He'll do a much better job of it than you. Today, the end of our service, we've organized a whole bunch of tables. Areas that you and I can sign up to serve. Generations with our kids, youth, young adults, seniors, life groups. Maybe you want to join a life group. Maybe you want to lead a life group. Open up your home and host a group of church people coming. Spending some time around food, fun, fellowship. Maybe you want to serve in our missions department or our creative team. Maybe you're like, you know what, I can take some photos, I can sing, I can learn how to tinkle the keys like Connor. I want to help on production or maybe you're like, you know, what, I just want to serve on Sunday. I want, to, I want to come to the house of God and I want to serve on one of the Sunday service teams. I want to welcome people out the front. I want to, I want to help in the cafe make coffees for everyone. I want to help put out chairs. Whatever it is, there are so many stations this morning. And what we've done is we've organized a whole group of people to be at those stations. There's frequently asked questions. There's answers. There's sheets to sign up. And there's people who serve in those areas. And you can ask them, hey, how do I get involved in this area? 
What do I have to do? What does the roster look like? What if I can't make this? What do I have to have prepared? How often will I be on? Ask them because they are serving in that area that they are standing there. You know, our next steps team. We're launching our new here lounge next week. It's going to be super exciting out there in our foyer. A space where we can host new families to our church well. They can ask questions and get to know us and love on them. We want to do evangelism and outreach. Well, I want to encourage you to go to the next step desk. Tell them, I want to be a part of this. I want to disciple a new Christian. I want to be a part of this. I want, I want, to, I want to evangelize. Put your name down. We're going to contact you next week. We're going to discuss with you, help you get signed up, whatever forms you need to fill out for the blue card and the Safer Churches training as we are legally required to do so that we do things well, get you onto a team where you can be trained on the team, trained on the job, meet other people and start seeing God do miracles through you. You know, if you don't believe in Jesus and you're here today, I encourage you to sign up to serve. Because I can promise you this, that as you start loving on the human beings around you, you will experience the love of God. Because God loves humans. It's what He does. It's who He is. And as you start loving on your fellow human around you, you will experience the love of God flowing through you. And I can promise you, you'll experience Him tangibly. You'll know He's real. You won't be able to deny it. The doubts that you've got and the questions you've got will begin to be overwhelmed by the love of God's presence and you will only be able to say, Jesus is real. I can guarantee it today because Jesus loves people. You want to see Him move? Pick up that chair. Froth that milk. Put out that communion. Learn an instrument. Do something in the house of God, a place where we rally together at the start of each week and let God do what God does best. It's the way of the King, our servant King. Let's follow Him. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? You know, sometimes people tell me, Joe, I don't know what my purpose is don't know what my calling is. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that you are called as a child of God, that you've been chosen as a royal priesthood, and that comes with royal responsibility. And your purpose is to do the Great Commission. Your purpose in life is to do what Jesus asked us to do until the whole world hears. If you're not sure, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, at work, at university, at home, when you're shopping, when you're on the road, when you're in front of people or in the private place, your purpose is to do the Great Commission, to be Jesus to the world around you, to preach the good news, get them baptized and teach them all the commandments. In all places and all ways, you and I have been called with the purpose of Christ to let the whole world know that He loves them. So this morning, Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that we are going to be a part of seeing miracles take place. God, that we can give to You, whether little or much. God, that we can give to You. And Lord, we can see You work in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. God, that we would be Your laborers, that we would carry 
the objects, that we would perform the tasks, God, that you have required of us to see those miracles take place. God, I pray this year that every single person would be a part of seeing someone saved. Lord, that they would be a part of seeing someone set free and set on fire for you. God, that they would see someone's life radically changed. Lord God, that you would give them the revelation of their part that they've played in every single soul being saved. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord God, that the purpose on our lives would come to the forefront. God, that we would prioritize you, your will, and your way. In Jesus' name I pray. God, I pray that you would help us to see our part to play. Lord, that we don't want, need to be something else or someone else. But God, every part of the body is special and every part matters. And you've got an important function for us to perform. So God, I pray this morning that you would inspire us to our part to play. Lord, that something would birth within us. God, that we would prioritize you. Lord, I pray today that there will be an area an area of our church, an area of our week. Lord, an area of what you are doing in this place and through this place that would captivate us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to take your seats. So I'm going to explain how we're uh, going to do the last part of our service today because we've got seven tables set up and uh, maybe the team could start bringing those out slowly and because uh, we're going to have to move the back section of chairs to place these out. But I want to explain what is happening, what's coming up, and how you can be a part of it. I love that our church is not a museum. It is active. And we're doing a lot, my friends. And a lot is happening. And it's awesome. Kids, our kids' department... Right now is running next door, two rooms with our little E's and our primary schoolers. And they are not just running kids minding. They do praise and worship. They minister. They pray. They have a lot of food, a lot of fun in the games and the craft. But it's all designed around the teaching of that day. You know, our team also looks after the kids for 30 minutes after the end of each service so that all the parents can spend some time having coffee together. I love that. Maybe that's an area that you think, you know what, I could be a part of that. I could serve one Sunday a month and help raise up the next generation of young people or youth. Jack, Tiana, the whole team, every Friday night right here do an incredible job seeing heaps and heaps of young people. Almost 100 now coming on Friday night. All of our teenagers from our families of this church and all the friends that they invite. And that tells me that our youth love it and they're inviting their friends and they keep on coming back and they keep on inviting more young adults doing our launch night this Wednesday 21st with all the young adults from Redcliffe, Warner and Morrowfield gathering together for a big launch night. But we've got young adults events happening at Morrowfield every month. Life groups for our young adults happening every fortnight. Young families going to be doing extra events this year, quarterly events. Our first one on March the 3rd and uh, Sam and Crystal Coolwine have opened up their home for us for a pool party and a barbecue lunch. It's going to be awesome. At the uh, end of the service, we'll head on out there. See David, Lisa, Nick or Hannah, if you want to be involved in any of those. You know, there's a Facebook group you can join. There's devotions on it. 
and uh, lots of spontaneous things happening there as well. Men's ministry, our monthly men's dinner that women the team run, which is awesome. We've also got our women's, the Pastor Nikki runs, and then we've got our all-in events, our men's and women's conference and our big events that happen throughout the year as well. Seniors with our tri-annual events where we all join together for a midweek service, life groups happening every fortnight, prayer Monday nights right here, 6 or 7 p.m., play group on Friday that Elise and Hannah run with literally heaps and heaps and heaps of mums and dads coming on Friday morning to our church that aren't Christian. Some of them are, some of them aren't, and they come and they're loved on for a couple of hours in the morning. They're encouraged and they literally welcomed in to the house of God. Maybe you want to be a part of that. Make them some coffees that we do on Friday morning or help set the room up and pack the room up. Missions, our homeless on Monday nights, our local outreach to the department, the prison and more and our global trips, our Emerge Life that we're launching on Tuesday night, our discipleship nights, commencing 20th of Feb. Four courses running this year. Finding treasure, know your Bible study that's going to be starting on March the 20th, running here Wednesdays from 12 till 2. You'll be able to sign up for that one. At the Hub Healthy Marriages, we're doing a marriage course. It's a three-week course. It's going to be running periodically throughout the week. John and Vivian are going to be running that one. You can sign up for that one at the Hub as well. And a new night that we're going to be doing called Connection Nights, March 26, our first one. It's what it's all about. We're going to have dinner together here. We're going to start nice and early, straight from work, come here, bring the kids. It's a night that's going to be designed for the whole family, very strategically. Think life group, but together. With as many of us as possible to get to know each other properly, to help each other. Hey, what do you do for work? Hey, I'd love to mentor you. I'd love to be mentored by you. Maybe there's a testimony in the room that's going to bless you. Maybe there's someone that's going to grow your gift or someone that you're going to grow their gift. Maybe something's going to start because of that night. We're going to call it our connection nights. It's going to be a fun time of dinner, dessert, a guest speaker, discussion time. Lots happening on those nights. All of these things, all of it is on the hub, emergechurch.life. You can always ask info at the back and also we'll announce these things as they come up throughout the year as well. Team, can you throw that slide up on the main screen, please, that shows the stations? Spread out around the room today is seven different stations. Missions, Sunday services, creative, life groups, major events, generations, and next steps. I can promise you there is a part for you to play. You know, our major events is something that we, we've designed so that maybe you're like, oh, I can't serve every week, Pastor Joe, but I do want to serve. Well, we have major events scattered throughout the year. Maybe you go, you know, I'll help with those. Or maybe, maybe you're good at stuff that we could use for property maintenance or building things or, or whatever. Head over to that table as well. Whatever it is, I promise you, there is a part that you can play. So I'm going to release this and I want to encourage you to head out to each one of these stations, to check them out, grab one of the cards, chat to one of the people that's involved, ask them, hey, what's this all about? What do, what, what's this evangelism we're doing? What's this next steps all about? How, how can I disciple a brand new believer? Head to the table. Ask Tao and Any how to be involved in that. There is a lot happening, my friends. 
and it takes an army to do it. It takes a team of laborers to make something happen. My last encouragement, you might think that you don't have much to give. You might think that you don't have a gift, but you are the gift and you do have a gift. And as you add it to the body, you are a part of seeing a miracle take place. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would inspire us today. Lord God, not just today, but tomorrow. Lord, that we would be your hands and feet, that we would recognize what we and what our families are able to achieve when we give it to you, when we surrender our lives to you, taking up our cross every day and following you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you.